0: Thank you, David. I also want to say thanks to everyone who's helping out this morning. Harry, Leong, Charmaine, Lou, Anne, Bays, and my youngest son is back there as well. We are all keeping proper, and Andreas, who led in worship this morning, of course. We're all keeping proper social distance here. uh, Two meters or two yards, roughly the same. Uh, So we are uh, trying to honor all of those uh, restrictions as well. This morning, I want to just say welcome again. My name's Shell. I'm the lead pastor here at Pilgrim Church. Uh, this is not normally where we meet. Uh, we are remodeling our worship space, which is above us. I think this is our Corona bunker down in the basement of the church, uh, but we're making it a studio as well. So hopefully when this all calms down, we'll be able to join one another in the space upstairs. It's being uh, remodeled and updated. This morning, I'm continuing on. I changed the series I was in, and I want to talk about Christ, the Pantocrator the ruler overall, and Pandemic. And this morning, I want to talk specifically about a theology of evil. What do we do or how do we respond to natural evil? As David mentioned, there is uh, one of the readings out there in devotions. is from uh, Mark chapter 4 and also Luke 8. There's the story of the disciples in the boat. And I want to read just a little bit of that, uh, starting in Mark verse 35, chapter 4, verse 35. It says, On that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So after leaving the crowd, they took him along, just as he was in the boat, and the other boats were with him. Now a great windstorm developed, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat was nearly swamped. But he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I love that little note. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? So he, meaning Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be quiet, calm down. Or in an older translation, it says, Peace. Be still, be muzzled. And then the wind stopped and it was dead calm. And he said to them, why are you cowardly? Do you still not have faith? And they were overwhelmed by fear and said to one another, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. It's interesting, their fear shifts from the storm and the natural disaster to the fact that someone was in the boat who could actually calm the storm. There's another passage I just want to reference here as well. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells this story about a sower who goes out to plant seed. And he said, the kingdom of God is like this. Our, our spiritual life is like this. So there, there's seed planted in the field. But in the night, an enemy came and also sowed weeds among the wheat, among the good seeds as well. And they grew up. And, the, and the, the servants come to this guy in the parable and they said, what should we do? Should we, should we pull out the, the, uh, the weeds along with it? And the, and the master says, no, you're going to pull out the good too. So don't start pulling right now. But he makes this declaration. He said, this an enemy has done. So I want you to hear those two phrases here. From the first story, the real experience of Jesus, the biographies in the gospel, we hear this calming of the winds and the waves. And maybe there was two uh, episodes of this when we look at the other one, or it might have been the same. But Jesus' response was, peace be still. And this other story of the mixture of what's going on right now in creation, he says this, that an enemy has done this. And so this morning, we want to dig into the second message in this coronavirus series, Pantocrator or Pandemic. Uh, We want to wrestle with natural evil. Last Sunday, we talked a lot about sort of the the basic, how how to experience God's comfort and peace in the midst of it, and six things to keep in mind. And we'll come back to some of those here maybe next week as well. But this week, I want to do a deeper dive into this issue of natural evil and how do we respond to it? And is it truly just natural? So let's pray together. Join with me. God, thank you that you're moving in the midst of the storms of life. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we can gather anywhere and we can worship and that we are the church. And the church is to be a leaning forward society. We exist for the benefit of those that don't know Christ, those that are far from him. And so God, help us to lean into that today and also wrestle with a good theology of what is, what is where is God in this? What's going on? Lord, help us to be free from maybe bumper sticker theology that gives us a momentary sugar rush of comfort, but actually leaves us with a very bad stomach ache later as we think through it. So God, be with us today. Help us to dig in. In Jesus' name. And if you're willing to, say amen. I'm being told to move something here. There we go. All right. So this morning, let's dig in a little bit more. We sent this out in social media. These are the questions that I want to wrestle with. Is the coronavirus, is this God's will? It's common, I think, for people to blur the line between the possible good that can come out of something like a virus, or we might just say evil generically. But sometimes we blur that line so much between what good can happen that we begin calling the evil itself a good thing. And when we blur that line I think we get into a very dangerous place. You'll hear that often when people are sick. They'll say, well, out of that, I learned this, that, and the other thing. A good came out of it. But that's not the same thing as saying the sickness itself was actually a good and perfect gift from a loving God. We need to wrestle with that. If we think about other evils, often those blurry lines get cleaned up really quickly. If we think about other things that can snap us back into like, wait a second, that thing never was good to begin with. If we think about murder, if we think about abuse, if we think about addictions, we begin to understand, we get our lines cleared up again, that there are some things that Scripture and the Christian faith identifies as truly evil and things that are truly good gifts as well. Jesus comes and gives us direction around all this. He doesn't want us to confuse the good that can come out of an evil, sometimes, by the way, not all the times while still being willing to name some things as evil and bad and broken or diseased or sickness that God wants to heal. And so we want to wrestle with that a little more this morning. I would say that the big idea that I want you to take away from what we dig into is that the causes of what we call quote-unquote natural evil are located in God taking a risk in making something outside of God's self that we're a part of and that there's evil actors also involved, according to Scripture, that we have a view of spirit and material woven together that, that speaks to some of the deeper issues of why does there even have to be anything, a virus that kills. Or as Alfred Lloyd Tennyson said in his great epic poem, talks about this, uh, we talked about God's love, but nature is red in tooth and claw, that we wrestle with that at a deeper level as followers of Christ. Let me share with you a little more scripture here. The first big point this morning uh, that we want to dig into is that we live in a war zone according to the New Testament, that this creation is actually in a war, a battle, and, and God will bring about the ultimate end, but he took a risk, and that risk resulted in a war zone. It was a possibility, and that has become a reality, but God also has planned how to work through that as well. I like how one author puts it. They say this, the New Testament authors never doubted that in this present world, the Creator, God the Creator, the first cause of all, His will was not the only will being carried out. In fact, in the New Testament, we see other wills, other beings, human and otherwise, with say-so. He puts it this way. Human and angelic, or spiritual beings, can oppose God, and we are called to fight against them. The kingdom of God, therefore, was something the New Testament authors prayed for, but not something they considered already accomplished. In Jesus teaching us how to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, your kingdom come, meaning praying to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The very premise of that prayer is that there are things that are disordered and broken that are not the original desire or intent of the Creator, We do not look at the coronavirus and say somehow this is mysteriously God's perfect, loving, good gift. We don't blur the lines between good and evil. In the uh, Lucan version of the Lord's Prayer, he says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So we live in this place where love requires freedom, and freedom involves taking risks. And the risk that God takes is the possibility of evil, that you can run away from God just as you can embrace God. And as we get into this a little more, we'll see that it's not just you and I, and we know this on a natural level already. We know that uh, if Harry walks up to me and slaps me in the face this morning because I keep going off camera, that uh, maybe the good was that he, I, get, I move in the right direction, but that evil of slapping me in the face, that, this is not in my notes, by the way, that is not a good thing. And so we know already in the natural that we make choices, that we have freedom, he could motion to me or he could, you know, smack me or that, those things he's engaging, whether it's a good way to result in outcome or an evil way. So we know this in the physical and the natural. The Bible also says in the spirit that you have spiritual say so as well. So let's move a little further into this. I hope you're following along. Look at your neighbor this morning, nudge them. I mean, if they're not social distancing neighbor, like someone you're married to or living with already uh, and say, okay, we're, we're, it's going to get good. We're going a little deeper this morning. Are you ready? Did you say that to your neighbor? Okay, I hope you did. All right. So let's read a little bit more from the Gospels. What does the Bible, the New Testament, what what did Jesus' recorded words say about the nature of good and evil? Well, in John chapter 10, there's this amazingly famous passage that says this. Jesus is talking about himself, making this claim that he is God who has come down from the mountain and dwelt among us versus everyone going up to the top of the mountain. God enters into the messiness of creation. And he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He's using these, these farming or pastoral metaphors here for life, what we need in our deepest being. And then he says this very interesting passage, John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief, that there's a spiritual force of wickedness. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill. And destroy, but I, talking about himself, Jesus, came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. Think about that. This is, we believe, God's clearest revelation to us is Jesus. That he is the reflection of God, the the pure radiance. He is the very essence of what we see, of what God is. Jesus, that member of the Trinity. God's relationship reveals to us who God is. And Jesus says to this that there is a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. So when we see things that destroy humanity... Uh, We need to understand the essence of Christianity is the opposite of this, that we walk in love and what humanizes and brings about flourishing as we turn from behaviors that steal, kill, and destroy. Those are sins in the New Testament, things that steal, kill, and destroy, right relationship. But also we see that there's a spiritual force of evil that is drawing us and tempting us. But also we see that in creation, the spiritual forces also act on natural forces as well. This is mind-blowing stuff, but it's important to understand this morning. Let me go again a little more and repeat this. One of the best responses to natural evil is that God risked in creating anything outside of God's self. And if God wanted creatures, spiritual beings, humans who are both material and spirit to have real relationship with him, God had to give true freedom, limited freedom, finite freedom, but true freedom to those beings. And even in nature, we see in Scripture that there were spiritual beings given authority and dominion over different aspects of creation, and many of them also misused that freedom. This worldview, this cosmology of the New Testament, is, sounds really strange to us, especially sort of in the modern late West and how we think about the world. But if you begin to ask deeper questions about why does nature have to have violence, why Does a coronavirus even develop? What are the bigger issues? Not just talking about evolution or other formations of how did it get to this point, but the deeper issue of why does evil even need to exist or have existence, or rather it's opposite of existence, it's nothingness, it takes life. Why does that even have to be? That's when you begin to get into the area of Christianity. You begin to wrestle with, hmm, maybe there's something else at play than I just see on the surface level. And that's what we wrestle with in part with the problem of evil. Let me just pause before we get to the last half here and say this. During these times, we're tempted to lean into fear versus leaning into love. And there's nothing wrong with identifying fear. Listen to last week's message. We wrestled with this a little bit. There's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I'm afraid, I'm scared. But then what do we do with that? What's the next step? And as followers of Jesus, we lean into this idea of love. And love may mean social distance. I'm approximately three or four meters now from David Liu this morning. We're keeping our social distance. Uh, It may mean that for the short term, but it also means engaging in relationship. And thank God we have technology and ways that we can do that and we have for some time. But hear this verse, we pause before we move on to the rest of the natural evil 2 Timothy 1.7, great verse to memorize. Get this, confess it in your life, over your life. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control or sound mind, of self-control. And so we don't let fear rule us into paralysis, but we lean into that truth. So let me share a little more this morning about natural evil. I hope you're still tuned in this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, are you tuned in? Give him a little nudge, give him a little wink. You know, let them know that you care for them. I hope you do anyway if they're in your home with you this morning at some level. So here we go. Let's talk about Luke in the New Testament just for a little bit here. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke was a Gentile, a Greek uh, who lived in Syria, who wrote one of the four biographies of Jesus by going around and getting eyewitness testimony and recording it in ancient biography. And Luke was a doctor. He was identified as a physician. And here's some things that we see in in Luke's uh, gospel that he writes about Jesus. Uh, We see in Luke chapter 4 this temptation of Jesus by the spiritual power of evil, the power that sort of is over all of the powers that are broken and have gone the wrong way. In Luke chapter 4, it's called the temptation of Christ. And in this, the Satan or Satan appears bodily. He appears to Jesus, takes on a physical form, And asks him to do two miracles, two miracles to break the way nature normally operates, to break the way nature normally operates. And Jesus refuses. This Satan, this tempter, this spiritual force, tempts Jesus to undo the laws of gravity, uh, to throw himself off the temple, uh, and also to undo the laws of how nature works in terms of bread and create bread out of stones. And Jesus refuses to do miracles that undo the natural order that God has created, this, this place where we can relate to one another and to spiritual beings as well. If you go through Luke, again, Luke chapter 4, verse 33 through 35 Luke brings in another story of demon possession, that there are sometimes spiritual forces of evil behind some of our issues of mental and physical health. Not always, but sometimes. And again, that's mind-blowing to those of us that have been taught that there's just material and there's nothing else. But we know in the physical and in the natural world that there is more than just materiality. We, we know when we think about an idea having existence. What kind of existence does an idea have? An idea can exist even if you're not thinking about it. It's still out there. That's sort of a type of spiritual existence. Jesus rebukes the demon in Luke chapter 4. And again, Luke goes on and he relays more and more healing. And and I just want to give you this litany for a second to make a point. In Luke chapter 4 verses 38 and onward, there's all kinds of physical healings that are recorded. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a skin disease. In Luke chapter 5, 25, he heals a paralyzed man. In chapter 6, he heals a hand. And later on in chapter 6, he, again, it says many people were healed and spiritual forces uh, were confronted by Jesus. In Luke 7, a centurion's servant's healed. In Luke 7, 15, a dead widow's son is raised. And again and again, and then we get to Luke chapter 8 and we have the story relayed again of Jesus rebuking the storm and the waves. say, why are you saying all that, Shell? Why are you saying all that? Because there's this point that we want to see again and again, that Jesus looks at certain things and identifies them as not God's will or intent, and he heals them, he confronts them, and he engages physically and spiritually to reverse. Jesus never, to quote one author, says this, Jesus never never attributed genetic mutations, deformities, blindness, Deafness, leprosy, blood diseases, fevers, falling towers, barren trees, life-threatening storms of death itself to God's providence, or to natural, meaning built-in and required, evil, these features to God's creation. Again, he consistently identifies them as evidence of the reign of the kingdom of darkness here on earth and a kingdom that his whole ministry was intended to destroy. So when we see brokenness and evil, we can resign to it or we can revolt. We can say, oh, this is somehow part of only one plan. Or we can say, no, this an enemy has done. Peace, be still. We have a choice of how we engage. Now, there's more to say about evil. I'm looking at my time here. Oh, I'll just go a little farther on natural evil. Again, we believe that the spirit and material are woven together that there is a spiritual part of you. And Jesus says, in fact, that that part of you is starved if you're not seeking after him. And he says, I am bread and I am water to that part of you that material bread and water can never quench. Augustine the Blessed, or Saint Augustine, said that he has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. That every one of you is on a spiritual journey. And part of that is the, in the natural creation as well. We see the natural order That creation itself is also yearning and desiring for this ultimate healing that God can bring and will bring. But we begin to lean into it now when we follow Christ. When natural evil strikes, many Christians default to saying, oh, God is in control and somehow it's part of God's perfect plan. and, And some say a higher harmony. Somehow God had to kill five children in order to save 15 children. When we look at the life and teachings of Jesus, that's simply nonsense. It's simply not what scripture teaches. Jesus says to these kinds of things, this an enemy has done. Peace be still. He heals. There is no, absolutely nothing in New Testament where Jesus identifies sickness, viruses, natural disorder, brokenness in creation, storms, towers falling down, human, all those. He does never, never identifies that as part of God's loving, perfect hidden will. Never, ever, ever. But he revolts against it. He calls us to engage against it. And This is important to understand. So let me just say a little more about nature. Why does it have to be this way? Well, I think there's a couple things we see in Scripture. One is that when God creates outside of God's self, he creates all things to have the potential for good or to choose against the good, evil. He required a natural or a neutral place for us to engage with him. This is where Christianity is a little different than many religions in terms of the creation With The spiritual path that we see in Christianity says this, that God desired to create beings who could commune with him. And to do that, God self-limits, God pulls back and creates this space. But not just humans, also other spiritual beings. And this is easier for people in other cultures to understand than perhaps those of us too influenced by the European Enlightenment. We forget that there are spiritual forces as well that relate and that God gave them domain that God gave them authority, but they, many of them fell. We see this uh, in how we look at natural evil. Why does that virus have to go from being something that can be good to something that can produce death and destruction? This an enemy has done. The potentiality for good flows both ways. God in creating has allowed this risk of undesirable possibilities And he doesn't just willy-nilly undo this because when God says this is all over, then something else will have to occur. But in this time, he's given us this time to engage and to be relational and relate. And someday we'll see what a new heavens and new earth looks like. And we lean into that hope as well. Your potential to bless is also your potential for evil. Hitler's potential to do evil was also his potential to do good. But he was influenced by forces of evil and his own brokenness. I know that's an extreme example. We could use much easier, lower examples as well, like my example with uh, Mr. Leong back here. His his capacity to do good, to produce a church service, to put it online, versus being something else, uh, you see that there's potentiality there that flows in both directions. We all have that, and so do other spiritual forces. Paul talks about this in Romans 8. Let me read this to you, Romans 8. And he said this, For we know... Verse 22, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the ch- pains of childbirth until now, until Jesus has appeared. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we await for adoptions as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. He's saying that the creation itself is in somehow under this warfare that until Jesus comes and that brings the fullness of God's kingdom, we live in this tension, this in-between time. So again, created things, we have potentiality for good and evil. All of natural order has this. Natural evil is also what I would say unnatural, that randomness in creation is not enough. I'm going to just do a deep dive for a second. Hang with me. Nudge your neighbor again. Say, hang with me. This is going to get good. All right, all right, all right. I'm being heckled by the people in this room, the handful of people right here in this place. Uh, Pray for me, those of you watching online this morning. (laughs) There's a risk again that we see in God creating, but it doesn't do justice. It doesn't do justice to everything else that we also see. We see with God revealing things to us and through prayer and through spiritual experiences that, that natural objects and laws that now have qualities that can be threatening to life and threatening to humans and animals, it doesn't explain enough why God doesn't prevent them. And I think we have to wrestle with this idea that God, that there's other actors again, John Polkinghorne, a quantum physicist and believer, talks about nature having a significant element of chance. And I absolutely affirm that. That God is not the puppet master of men nor of matter, he says. There's an element of chance. But there's something else also at play in that chance. And the Bible identifies that as spiritual forces that are misusing their freedom as well. To summarize it, I'll say this. On a Large-scale, disasters cannot be explained by micro-level or small process alone. God is perfectly preserving the general order of all that we are in in the midst of chaos. So why doesn't he intervene? I believe it's because there's more going on, that God and your will is not the end of the story. There are other wills, there's other agents at acting as well. The Bible tells us we were given this neutral medium to relate and yet something else has happening. The neutrality has been lost in the fall in the misuse of our freedom and spiritual being's freedom. When we misuse that freedom uh, to become selfish and turn inward and we desire to suck life out of things that were never designed to give us life like Christ will give us, that we begin to turn the neutral zone into a war zone and here we are living in that until Jesus comes again again mark 4:39 jesus woke up and rebuked the wind let me give you a little more and then we'll end it we know this when we look at it from a natural perspective that there are powers and authorities that misuse their authority and break down life and make it worse for people we can think of governmental injustice we can think of Uh, prejudice and racism, we can think of economic injustice, we can say, we can look at these things on a natural system scale, and then we can also ask, but what powers are influencing the powers? What is the story behind the story? And the scripture tells us that there is an evil one that desires to steal, kill, and destroy, and this includes natural evil, this includes powers and governments and politicians when they become corrupted, this includes even our own sinfulness and how we relate to one another on -on one-on-one and in small groups as well. There's another way to live as a human. There's another way to be human. There's another way to engage, Jesus shows us. Because there's a thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So when we look at violent viruses and we look at natural evil, we need to understand that perhaps there's something else going on. Because the creator is all good and loving. And the only evil God cannot properly prevent is that that he has has said for this time, this free will that he's given, he will not undo that. And so in a very real way, you and I become God's hands and feet. In a very real way, you doing good for your neighbor is manifesting God's perfect loving character, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. When you pray that God would rebuke sickness and disease and you also pursue medical knowledge and science, you are engaging the warfare for the sake of the good of creation and humanity versus the evil. So we're called to act on this knowledge as well. There's more we could say, Alvin Plattingen talks about this as well, that evil permeates the stage, the structure of the stage itself, for the one given authority over the structure has become corrupt. At the heart of creation, there's a war against God, against love, against good, and so we wrestle with natural evil. And I know this is a deep dive for many of us, but we see this again and again in Scripture, From the very act of Genesis, God creates and he he goes against these cosmic beings who are rebelling against his will, who he's given freedom to, but they're misusing it. We see this again and again, that there's a God of the world. First John talks about this, about this idea that the kingdom of the world are under the power the influence of this evil power that desires to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, Jesus tells us there's an evil prince that has illegitimate control. So we wrestle with this worldview, this cosmology, and then we act differently because of it. We act in outrageous love because of it. We are to be God's co-workers in the physical realm and the spiritual realm because the natural evil is not the perfect plan of a loving father. The coronavirus is not God's loving gift to us. And to name it as such is to go against everything in Jesus' life and teachings and actions. And so we have to say, let's have a better theology of evil. Let's wrestle with it. Before we appeal to mystery, before we go there, let's go a little deeper with our questions about how could this be. Before we simply say it's required of nature that so many die and so many live, we have to ask, is that even true? Or is that just sort of a false higher harmony argument that falls apart when you push on it? Was it required? It's not required, is it? We know that. So let me land this plane. What should we do? Well, to summarize again, we should work to share Jesus and hasten the coming kingdom of God. We are ones that should be about revolting against evil, revolting against uh, dehumanization, revolting against uh, those uh, lack of knowledge. We should be those that pursue again uh, sharing Christ and living a different way, being a different kind of human on the earth. I think, secondly, as we prepare to leave this morning, we remember that prayer matters. That we shouldn't just do the science things, we shouldn't just do that, we certainly should do those and more, but we also want to pray. Understand that there is a spiritual dynamic in every crisis, either from an enemy working behind the scenes in a fallen creation, very affecting genetic mutations, affecting disease, but also in how we respond, there's an enemy at work that wants us to dehumanize and destroy and pull apart and tear apart. We need to be aware of that too in our own rhetoric and how we act and how we see our neighbors during this time. So prayer matters. We work to share Jesus. We respond by just loving and serving. We talked about that last week. And finally, I would say we also embrace science and knowledge, that the science and spirit goes together. Don't buy the pop atheist argument that somehow they're different categories. In fact, they're denying realms of knowledge by doing that. As Christians, we want to robustly embrace science and spirit together and engage with both. When we pray, we're inviting more of God into a situation And I sense this, that God may be calling for all of you to engage at a deeper level for prayer, through service, through knowledge. These are things of the kingdom, things that make for flourishing. What you cannot do, I ask you, humbly, is simply sort of sit back and say, somehow things are as they are, whatever will be, will be. When in fact, what we see in the New Testament is a command to engage. Peace be still. This an enemy has done. Love your neighbor as yourself. Seek for the healing of the world, the fullest of God's peace, God's shalom. These are things we're called to do in the face of natural evil. We don't simply say, because some good may result out of evil, we don't go back and name the evil good. That is an entirely anti-Christ position. And so we want to, again, embrace a better theology of evil, a better theology of what it means to follow Christ in the midst of crisis, in the midst of these storms, and know that we can risk the love. Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we are willing to take those risks for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of human flourishing, the sake of overcoming sins, which break us down and destroy us. So let's pray. We'll pick up next Sunday, and it won't be quite as a deep dive. We'll be talking more about what does it mean to do micro church in a time like this, what does it mean that every church everywhere is sort of reconfiguring for this season? What does that mean? And how do we lean more into that being good neighbors and being kingdom citizens in a practical level as well? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you that we can wrestle with this issue of evil at a deeper level, that we don't have to appeal to mystery right away. And God forgive us when we confuse what is good and what is evil. God forgive us when we don't look to the prime example of who you are in Jesus and we look to other things that distract us and confuse us about what is good and what is evil. Lord, help us to understand that during this time out of what the enemy intended for evil, you can work good. It doesn't mean you was were the cause of that evil. You risk creation, but you did not cause those choices, those actors to go in that direction. But you risked it through creating a natural medium, a neutral medium, through randomness and also through spiritual beings that can influence those ran- that randomness in creation as well. Including humans, how we impact creation and one another. We see that all the time. We just need to extrapolate it out to the bigger picture as well. So Lord, may we be those people driven by your kingdom, driven by love to show that there's another way to be human, particularly in times of crisis. And that we can say, this an enemy has done, but we're going to act out of a God who's revealed as love, in knowledge, in truth, in service, in justice, in kingdom matters. I pray these things and bring peace to all people everywhere during this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.